0: Um, we continue on in our series uh, called Participants, and I love that prayer, Gary. As you just, or, or I was, I had as you were praying, just Jesus's words describing the kingdom of God. And he uses a couple of parables to describe the kingdom of God. He says, it's like a, a, a tiny mustard seed that gets planted and it's the tiniest of seeds. And yet it grows to one of the biggest trees in the garden. Or he said, it's like, like a, a baker who, who puts just a little bit of, of yeast in some dough and then it begins to spread and that, grow dough, and that dough grows and grows and grows. And I just had that image, that promise of Jesus and uh, that that's what the kingdom of God God is doing. It is at work in this world that God has planted the gospel through Jesus here. He has empowered it through you and I. And we are participants in this mission of God. We're more than just recipients. We're more than just spectators of it. We are participants of it. So by your giving, through your prayers, through your going, through your serving in your places, we are, we are a part of this growing kingdom. And we're going to see this morning in our text that this kingdom is growing and, and it's of God and there's nothing that can stop it. That is God's promise as it it moves on. So I'm excited to continue on in our series in the book of Acts. So if you have a Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there's Bibles in the chair in front of you. Grab one of those, Acts chapter 5. And and if you don't own a Bible, we'd love for you to take that Bible home. It is our gift uh, to you as we get going this morning, just to remind you where we left off, uh, the last couple of weeks we saw uh, Peter and John doing miracles in the temple and the temple uh, courts there, as the church is is meeting there um, and and just doing an awesome work, uh, and they get arrested for it, but it's okay because because God busts them free from the big house and and he frees them from prison. They have a prison break. Angel tells him, uh, tells them to go back to the temple courts, continue ministering in the name of Jesus. They go back, and they get arrested again. It's the third time that Peter and John are arrested uh, for preaching the gospel in the name of Jesus Christ. And we're going to pick up the conversation there and the conversation they have before the Jewish Sanhedrin, which is like the, their Congress, uh, their, their leaders there for the Jewish people. And so we're going to pick up in, in verse 27 of chapter 5. We're going to carry it uh, through about verse 39. And, and then we'll, we'll pause there and jump in um, for our study this morning. So let's, let's pick up the story. Having brought, them, uh, brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to preach in this name, meaning the name of Jesus. He said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead whom you had killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, They were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. And then he addressed them. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all of his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. you will only find yourselves fighting against God. Woo, that's good stuff. I like it. I, I heard a podcast recently uh, with the, uh, one of the more recent Nobel Prize winners for economic studies and you win the Nobel Prize in that world, you get a you get a prize a pony of a of, of million dollars. You get a gift of a million dollars, which is, yeah, that would be awesome. That's a heck of a prize, and so they, they he gets this a million dollars. It was months ago that he's won it, and they, the the interviewer asked him, so what did you do with that million dollars? And this guy's an economist. You think there'd be some brilliant answer that, that he just won the Nobel Prize for economics, and he said he's done nothing. It's just been sitting in his checking account. So he hadn't even put it into like a high yield savings. He hasn't done anything. He's just been sitting in his checking account. And, and his reasoning uh, for that is that he's just been too busy to think about what to do with a million dollars. And I thought, that must be nice. <laughs> I don't know what else is in his banking account, but if I got that, I, I would have no problem spending that. Would you have any, would you, would you just let it sit there and go, eh, I'll think of something to do with it. I'm willing to bet if somebody gave you a million dollars, you can come up with, some of you would pay off some debts. Some of you pay off the house. Some of you would buy a house, right? Some of you would, would put it in investment and start, start uh, some of you would give like crazy and just bless other people with that. Would you, am I, am I being too happy? Would you have trouble spending a million dollars or saving, would you have trouble with that? Would you sit indecisively and go, I don't know, I don't know. I'm too busy to come up with a plan for that. That's a heck of a gift. I bring that up as an analogy to say this that one of the greatest gifts ever given is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's an incredible gift. It's an incredible gift. I, I want you to, to hear it for what it is. It is the God of all giving away for mankind to have a relationship with him for eternity it is the gift of god that cost him his own son in order to give to us it's an incredible gift and yet if we're honest it's a gift that those of us in the church oftentimes lose fascination over and lose amazement to don't we we become so busy that it just becomes commonplace to us. And we have heard the story of the gospel. We've heard the story of the cross. We get so used to it it that, that we just let it sit in our checking account for a little bit. And we stop seeing it as the amazing gift that it is. When there are people all over this world that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. They have never been given this gift. And one of the gigantic purposes and callings of the church anywhere that has received the gospel is to take that gospel to other people that they might hear the name of Jesus Christ and be saved right it's rare that first service is more awake than second service I'm going to throw that out there but they were tracking a little better my ameners must be on vacation this morning so y'all going to step in and fill in here we go alright thank you the gospel's kind of a big deal there we go catching on It's a huge gift and yet it's one that we don't amen enough. It's one that we don't find fascinating and let's just confess that, can't we? That it's a gift that becomes commonplace to us. It's a gift that we have have gotten used to and yet if we travel back in time to 2,000 years ago when the gospel first began, And you're still in the shadow of the resurrection. The resurrection has just happened. And over 500 people have seen the resurrected Jesus. And Jesus himself has taught them what his death and resurrection means. That there was a creator God. That he did create this whole world. That he does sit sovereign and powerful over the whole world. That the reason the world is not in his joy, is not filled with his life, is because the world, including you and I, are in rebellion against him. Something that God calls sin and that that rebellion is separating us from God. And though God has every right, every right to do away with the rebellious creation, in his love, he chose to send his only son to pay the penalty for that rebellion, to raise from the debt and give life that we might be connected to this God that created us and live his life like we were created to in the first place. That is the gospel message, Amen? amen? And we're talking about the Very beginning of when these first sermons and the reality of that was very beginning of it happening, the very the the start of it all. And the responses to people in this story to me are the same responses that people are having to the gospel today. I, I think there's three responses poured out here because there's three people that speak to it with what they do to Jesus. And it's a question that we have to ask: how do we respond? To the gospel. So, what I want to do this morning is just walk through the story and see the three different responses. There's three people that talk. First of all, it's the high priest, verse 28. Listen to what he says. He says, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name of Jesus, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Here's what I find fascinating about what he says He doesn't say anything about whether Jesus is the Son of God. He doesn't say anything about whether Jesus did resurrect from the dead. That doesn't bother him. He doesn't say anything about the fact that Peter and John have been healing and people who were sick are now are, are, are healthy. He's not saying anything about the Holy Spirit that is changing lives and transforming. What he's telling them is, we've told you to shut up. Why? To the point that he's threatened. And when Peter and John get through talking, they want to kill them. This threat to be quiet is not an empty one. Why is it that he's wanting to squash the name of Jesus Christ? And this is because one of the greatest responses to Jesus Christ is to get rid of it and ignore it altogether because it demands a change from who we are. Because Jesus Christ is offensive. He's offensive. Now, I know we don't like to talk about him that way because we like sweet, cuddly Jesus, right? We picture Jesus as this sweet man that, that healed people and, and cared for people in their time and needs. And he was that. But at his core, he was offensive. Why? Because the gospel message is this. That you and I are broken and rebellious and dead and we need a, need a Savior. Right? That's at the core. And so the whole reason Jesus showed up on this planet is because we are broken and dead. And just like life is offensive to the dead, light is offensive to the dark. Jesus is offensive to the world. He's offensive to our way of life. Because there's no way to accept Jesus in and stay the same. And the high priest knows this. His problem is that if Jesus were true, that means his way of life would completely have to change. Because the high priest exists to be the mediator between man and God. He would offer his sacrifices. He and his priests would do their jobs. And that gave him a a tremendous place of power in Jewish society. In fact, he and the the Sadducees and the high priest family, they operated in many ways like the mafia. They had a a racketeering program going. Jesus goes into the temple courts and he flips over the tables. Do you remember that story? What he's mad about is they had a a, a money laundering plan going where they're making money off of people who have to come buy their sacrifices in order that they might be able to, to relate to God. And all of a sudden, this guy Jesus comes, and he does away with the role of priests forever. I want you to hear this. That no longer does man need a priest to be the go-between between between he and God. Because Jesus is the perfect high priest for all time. So hear me what I'm saying. If you come from a Catholic background, I want you to hear this from my core. This is the gospel. You don't need somebody to be your go-between between you and God any longer. Jesus took care of that once and for all. That means if you are going through something, if you've committed a sin that you need to confess, you don't have to have somebody to pray over you to receive that forgiveness. You just go straight to the source itself because Jesus is your high priest, right? You have access to God and that completely does away with this guy and he can't handle it. He sees it. He could care less whether Jesus was alive. Maybe he was resurrected. That's even a bigger reason why we got to squash his ministry, right? Because he's trying to get rid of my way of life. And can I say that as as offensive as Jesus was to the high priest's way of life, he's offensive to your and our way of life. Because at its core, what Jesus is coming to do is offer new life, which means the old life has got to go. And I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of people telling me how wrong I am. Are you? Married people in the room? Come on. (laughs) You just love when your spouse points out your wrongs, don't you? Oh, that feels good to the soul. Oh, yeah. No. And yet, the very confession, and by the way, if you're new to church and you have the, the sense that, that church is a bunch of people that think they're perfect and are better than you, you've misunderstood the gospel. The church is actually the exact opposite. The church is a bunch of people that have come to the realization that we are broken and cannot help ourselves. And so we need a Savior to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That's the whole church, right? That's who we are. So we have a Savior. So one response is to, to just, just get rid of Him. Just... Stick your fingers in your ear and say, la, 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 la. I don't want to hear anything about this Jesus guy because that would mean I'd have to change. Right? Right? Which, by the way, by the way, I think this is why atheists often have such a vehement response to Jesus Christ. The same response of trying to squash him and get rid of him and snuff out his name that happened at the very beginning has been happening for 2,000 years wherever the gospel is preached and right now, if you go on atheist forums, you will find people that are vehemently ticked off about Jesus Christ and the church. Why? It really, I mean, if you don't believe, don't believe. I don't believe in the tooth fairy, and yet I don't go on to tooth fairy forums and say how he's terrible and ruining the world. It's not offensive to me. Don't, the reason is because Jesus Christ is offensive to their way of life, right? That it is, it is confronting the way of life of the old. And so if Jesus is real, then change has to happen, and I don't like change, and I'm not ready to get rid of that. So one response to Jesus Christ is just to ignore him, squash him, do whatever you can to diminish him. The second response is like Peter, and I love Peter's response. By the way, and we've talked about this when he preached this is like his second or third sermon before the Sanhedrin he's coming a pro with this they know his message which is why they said you keep on trying to blame us for his blood and make us guilty because every time he's front in front of him he says yeah you killed him which guess what he does in this sermon as well right you killed him you got, you, remember him you hung him on a tree you did that right and he, he's, he's, he is saying you are guilty of his blood but here let's back up real quick you remember Peter three months before this or a couple months before this when, when, when Jesus on the night that he was arrested what did Peter do Before he even denied them, they come to arrest Jesus, and he pulls out his sword, and he chops off a dude's ear. Remember that? I mean, just he's ready to fight, and Jesus heals the guy's ear. And then you fast forward into that night, a little bit later on the night, and they come, and and Peter feels threatened, and then he denies him. Not once, not twice, three times denies him and runs away. Now you fast forward, and now not only did he not fight, and I think it's kind of funny to think about. I don't know if you get workers' comp in Sanhedrin days for when your ear gets cut off, But but I kind of think what happens that same temple guard shows up to arrest Peter and he's like, oh great, this guy, all right? (laughs) And he's like ready for Peter to chop off his ear again. He's going in, and, and Peter's like, here, take me. And he's no longer fighting. Do you see any fight in there at all? No. And he comes forward, and does he deny Jesus this time? No. And what is the reason why Peter says, Man, whatever. I'm not scared of you guys. What is the reason? Who has he seen? Jesus. Look at, look at verse, verse 29. We must obey God rather than men for the God of our fathers. Verse 30 raised Jesus from the dead. Do you hear what he's saying? I have seen a dead man alive before me. You can do whatever you want to me. You don't scare me. That's got my full attention, right? Not you, right? And so his response is obedience and worship. He goes on to call him savior, prince, right? He, he is, this is his response to Jesus. That I will, I will worship you. You don't, I will worship Jesus. He doesn't scare me. You don't scare me. I will serve Jesus. I will go what Jesus tells me to do. I will make whatever sacrifices Jesus calls me to make because I have encountered the resurrected Lord and I am changed. I am different. And he even says, I have the Holy Spirit that gives testimony to this being true. I have that Holy Spirit in my veins. That is what is going through me. I like the way that he, he describes it in 1 Peter, which if, if, what is interesting, if you study these early parts of, of Acts and Peter's sermons, and then go read what Peter wrote himself. First Peter 1 Peter 1.3, he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. I love that. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I love this picture of a living hope. So Peter is telling you, here's my experience. I don't have some hope that when I die, things will be good. I have a living hope right now in the Holy Spirit that is charging me every day that I live. I've been given a new birth, not some birth way out there in in the future. This is a new reality for me right now, and I am living out of that. And for Christians in this room that have a relationship with God, you know what he's talking about. This, this, this relationship that, that compels you and propels you through life, right? That you have this living hope. I love that. And yet, can we have a, can we have a hard conversation? Yeah, because I had the microphone, so we're going to have it. <laughs> can I tell you where this confronts me and convicts my own heart? I'll let you into my sinfulness. It's quite possible to have the verbal response to Jesus of Peter and the rel- living response of the high priest. You hear what I'm saying? It's quite possible to, with our mouths, say, yes, Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, he's resurrected. Yes, I should obey him. And then in our lives, refuse to yield over to, over to him full control because of how it inconveniences us. Right? Well, I don't want to do that, and I don't want to do that, and I don't want to change this, and I don't want to give that up. And so, which of those is our real response? <laughs> I was complaining to my mom recently, and she just let me have it, as moms are prone to do, especially country Texas moms. They, <laughs> they don't hold back. I was complaining about my older, oldest son, who is just a sweetheart, and he always has the right response whenever you ask. He's a sweet boy. He just, yes, sir, yes, sir. I'll do whether he actually does what you ask him to do is a whole nother story, but he is going to have the right response. And so I complained about that to my mom and my mom was like, are you for real? Like that is you made over. I'm like, "What? not me? (laughs) And so she let me in on my childhood. And soon she said, I was like, I remember you saying that. Uh, But evidently that he gets that fully for me that I would say, yes, ma'am. And the mom would come home and, and my room wasn't clean. The dishes weren't, I didn't do a darn thing. She told me to do. And she would tell me you were being so disrespectful And I said, no, I wasn't. I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. And she said, your actions speak louder than your words. Is it possible to say amen with our mouths and profess Jesus as Lord and then our lives respond in a total opposite direction? Look at what James says. Jesus' brother James chapter 2 what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food, and if one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? It's just lip service, he says. In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accomplished, accompanied by action, is Dead you hear what he's saying? He goes on to say, you say there is a God? Great, demons say that. But demons respond to the lordship of Jesus with complete rebellion. And so with our mouths we might proclaim. But what does our action say? Is he our living hope? There's a third response in this that I, I find Truly respectful. I love this. And that's Gamaliel's response. If you're unfamiliar with, with uh, the politics of, of Jew, Jewish life in the first century, you had Sadducees and Pharisees were their, your two major political parties. They believed different things about the end times uh, and what was going to happen. Um, and And so the sadducees were in control of the of the sanhedrin um, they he the, the high priest was a sadducee we do know from history there was definitely a high priest there was a pharisee named gamaliel that was held in much high regard for his teaching so evidently he's in the he's in the sanhedrin he's listening to all of this and he has just this epiphany and i love his wisdom here he sends out peter and john and by the way if you are ever struggling with whether you should participate in something that god is up to i would encourage Encourage you to use this wisdom to determine your solution. Look at what he says. He ultimately, and we'll, we'll fast forward, he gives two examples, right? He says, hey, there was a guy, Thaddeus. Do you remember him? He had 400 people. We killed him. That all went away. Turns out that wasn't from God. There's this other guy, Judas. Uh, yeah, he rose up. Uh, we killed him. Chopped the head off the snake. It dies. Everybody went away. We, we killed Jesus. Do you remember that? And this is not going away. Right? And so here is his, 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 ultimate, uh, his ultimate ending. Therefore, he says, verse 38, In the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Do you hear his wisdom? And I love this because to me, this is an honest atheist response. He's not worried about having to change his life. His honest worry is is God is this really of God or not? Is this real or not? And his response is if it is real then we're fighting against him and we can't stop that and so we would have to change You hear what he's saying? We will yield to this. I'm not there yet He's saying I don't believe in jesus christ But i'm willing to hold open the reality that what this is happening might actually be of god and this is happening And so he has the response that he will observe And I think there are some of you here this morning that are in church that are not believers And you're here for one or two reasons either one you're like gamalil and you're just wanting to observe Maybe this Jesus thing, are you here because you're trying to appease a family member that really wants you to be at church? Either way, I'm glad you're here. But I encourage you to have Gamaliel's heart that is observing. Jesus says, ask, seek, knock. That if he is real, he can withstand any amount of your interrogation of him. Observe, watch, and let God show yourself, himself to be real to you. I, I love Gamaliel's response there. Christian lore, by the way, in history, we don't know this from Scripture. Gamaliel comes, comes back to play later on at the end of Acts. He, he'll make another appearance here, but we don't know from the Bible whether he becomes a believer, but Christian history says he does. Christian history and other texts says that he does become a believer, and he actually stays a part of the Sanhedrin and tries to help them out from within, which is an interesting thought. So I, I love the heart in his response to that. Uh, the other night I was... I was in bed, and I heard the most God-awful sound known to man at 3 a.m. in the morning, and it's my fire alarm chirping. (laughs) That sound is from Satan at 3 a.m. in the morning. (laughs) And I did what all of us do when that happens at 3 a.m. in the morning, and I tried to ignore it. And then I rolled over and put my pillow over my head, and then I asked Alexa to play rain sounds and made it really loud. (laughs) Uh, and then my wife <laughs> informed me I was not going to be ignoring that any longer. <laughs> and so I had to get up at 3 a.m. and respond. It demanded a response. <laughs> Can I say this about Jesus? He demands a response. And right now, with your life, you are responding. You're responding. Everybody that hears the name of Jesus makes a response. And I think a response will be one either like the high priest... And I, I don't mean response with your words. I mean your response with your life where the high priest says, no, I don't want the inconveniences, Jesus, that you bring. I don't want to have to make the changes that you're asking of me. So the high priest wanted pseudo-religion where he could still be a part of God but just not have to yield all of his life to Jesus. Or we respond like, Gamaliel, who we don't know yet. I don't know if this is real. I get it. I just need to observe. Is this this God real? Is this really happening? Or you're like Peter, and you've had an experience with the living God. And if that is you, and you can point to the ways that the living God has moved in your life, then I encourage you, as I encourage my own heart, to respond like Peter that says, we will obey. Whatever you have of me, God, whatever you call of me, God, I will obey in this living hope. Let's pray. Father, just now as as we finish up this time and and, um, come before you, Father, I look around this room and know that the personal stories of so many of my, my friends here, my family here, and know that while we're preaching about your kingdom and your work and your mission, God, they're struggling with very real hurts, with very real fears, with family situations. And sometimes it feels like this message of your kingdom is separated from our reality. And so, God, I pray now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would move in this room with faith, that we would truly trust what you say, that when we give ourselves to you, your burden is easy and your yoke is light and you are offering rest to the heart that is burdened and you're offering rest to the heart that is weary. So, Father, I am praying for just your spirit to stir with the gift of faithfulness to you this morning. That across this room, as we open our mouths and sing to you how you cannot be stopped, God. May we believe that to our core. You can't be stopped in in this world. You can't be stopped in our own life by our own mess-ups. You can't be stopped by the challenges in our own family, God. That your love will win out. Your grace will win out. Your mercy will win out. Your spirit will win out in our lives. So God, grant us your people of faithfulness to believe that, God. And we just lift you up and glorify you this morning, Jesus. And we pray uh, you, the resurrected Lord, would make much of yourself. Spirit, do what only you can do in this time. Minister to us where we are. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.